Well, it's really great to see y'all. Um, <clears throat> I uh, have met uh, most of you at one point or another. Uh, I have a very weak voice, believe it or not, so by this time on Sundays, it's pretty much shot. And I have three young daughters, so I have to save some to yell at them uh, when I get home, because they should be napping. But, um, <clears throat> but the Advent uh, is a singular place. Uh, I think that most of you already know that. Uh, the Advent uh, is going through a visioning process right now, not because we're wondering who we are, uh, but because we know exactly who we are. But how does that manifest itself in our programs and ministries uh, from week to week? Because the culture is changing around us. Uh, now, Birmingham and Meridian, Mississippi may be the last two, church, two uh, cities to go the way of secularism, uh, but we're already seeing it uh, here. And a model of ministry built on sort of attractional programs, that is, we'll just have high-quality stuff, and we hope that it attracts people. Uh, it does attract people, but it tends to attract people who actually are looking for a church in the first place. And so we still want to be able to do that because uh, we've got some hearts that you've probably heard about around here. <clears throat> and that those hearts are we have a heart uh, for the gospel. We have a heart uh, for those who haven't heard the gospel. We have a heart for those who have been burned by the church. We have a heart for the city of Birmingham. I didn't come up with those. It was not like I had some epiphany on some long weekend away. But I had the opportunity to be uh, on staff here two years before I took the position I'm in now. Uh, if you ask me what my best job was, it was that job. That job was great. Um, and, uh, but where does, what are the strengths of the Advent? What do we do? And those hearts really get to the heart of who we are. Uh, we're a church that has a living, daring confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to steal a phrase from Martin Luther, uh, which you may think is a church supposed to be that. Uh, but in fact, uh, oftentimes uh, churches, regardless of where they are on the theological spectrum, aren't preaching the gospel. Uh, either it's, well normally it is gospel plus something. You know, they might say something like, uh, God's gift of grace and salvation to you is unmerited and free. All you have to do is come forward and receive it. Just say yes. And then you do that and, they, and then they say, now it's time for you to get to work. Right. So one of the things we're trying not to do is to just create more busyness for people who are already busy. Right? This is kind of a place where I hope you don't feel pressure. We want you to be involved. Uh, but you know, even our language is funny. I mean, we've talked this morning about becoming a member, joining a church. It kind of sounds like you're joining a club or something, like welcome to Rotary. Uh, and um, and it normally comes with obligations and uh, things like that. Uh, but uh, love in the gospel is not obligatory. It's not built on obligation. It's, as I said earlier, free and unmerited. So that's why we put a heavy emphasis on the person and work of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for us through his cross and resurrection. Full stop, right? And that's the biblical message as far as we're concerned. Paul said, I desire to know nothing amongst you except Christ and him crucified. There is a little plaque up in the pulpit uh, that uh, reads in brass. You can go look at it if you want. Uh, it says, Woe be unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Right. So, so some of the things that we do around here that would be unusual in churches, uh, after we preach a sermon, we ask, was that good news or was it good advice? Because if it was good advice, 
you know, read a book. Let's go to brunch. You know, we're, we're just wasting our time here. The other question, and it's a much deeper one, is uh, did Jesus Christ have to, be die, have to die and be raised from the dead in order for me to preach what I just preached? And if it didn't necessitate the cross and the resurrection, we're preaching a message apart from the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we're pretty emphatic about that, and we're pretty open about it. Uh, and because of that, we have a heart for those who haven't heard uh, the gospel, which really goes hand in hand with uh, the other heart, which is a heart for those who have been burned by the church. Because we run into a lot of people who have grown up in the church and they've been totally burned. Uh, you know, they think that the gospel is about obligation. They think that Christianity is about doing. Uh, and they've even been taught that uh, to an extent. And, uh, and so the Advent tends to attract people um, who hear the gospel here for the first time, even though they've grown up in the church. And it's, uh, the shackles fall off, uh, and they find a new life uh, in Christ. Or they've just been closeted Christians for a while, and because they have so much baggage, they really can't bring themselves to go to church and find a fellowship where they actually uh, can be honest about themselves. One of the things about the Advent... <clears throat> is sometimes we're a little too transparent. Um, but what you will get is uh, a lot of honesty, especially from the clergy and program staff, who will be the first to tell you we're in the same boat. Uh, so I had a guy uh, come visit me. I don't know, this, this will probably scare you all away. There's a guy that came into my office, and I have his permission to share the story. He sat on my couch and just started weeping. And he began to confess to me something that he said, not even his wife knew. Just he knew and one other person, and now I knew. And I was bracing myself for this really menacing, deep, possibly criminal, if not I have to call the police about this confession. Uh, and he tells me what it is, and I said, oh, I've done that twice. Um, they were supposed to laugh at that point. <laughs> Turned out not to be that bad. But just by me saying, yeah, that's, you're not alone in that struggle. Uh, he just, it, it was a huge burden off of his shoulders. And so that's why we are trying our darndest to make sure the gospel saturates everything. Uh, why we, our youth ministry uh, started Rooted, which is a national youth ministry to youth ministries. Um, so that we can get the gospel uh, into uh, the youth programs throughout uh, the world, really. Uh, and is why we are where we are. You know, we uh, were founded along with the city of Birmingham in 1872. Our church was built, and there was a church here, uh, but it burned, and so we built the one we have now. And we've just kind of kept pace uh, with the city of Birmingham in terms of leadership. At one point in time, we had... Um, uh, we had the chair of the, the Alabama Ballet, a chair of the Alabama Symphony, chair of the Botanical Gardens, and chair of the zoo were all Adventers at the same time. And that doesn't happen very often, but at, some, at any given point, somebody from the Advent is, is in charge of something uh, in Birmingham, uh, whether that we've had mayors uh, before uh, in the past, and uh, we've always had a vested interest uh, in the city, and not in you know that's it sounds kind of gimmicky. We have a heart for the city uh, because a lot of churches are doing that right now, 
but the thing about it is, is that why I think it works at the Advent is if you were to come and ask me, what ministry do y'all do in order to plug people into the ministry in the city? I would say, you're looking at it. Because the thing about the Advent is God gets a hold of people's lives. The gospel has changed them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they in turn, and they, they go out and they get involved. Right? They, they do that on their own volition. They don't stop and say, let's organize another program or ministry in order to meet this need, but actually engage in it at a real grassroots level, uh, which has been a real blessing, um, I think, uh, to the Advent and to the city uh, of Birmingham. Advent's a little bit of a miracle uh, when it comes to um, churches in the sense that uh, until recently, nobody lived downtown. Uh, so if you're coming to the Advent, you're probably uh, driving by a couple pretty good churches uh, to get here uh, with much better parking uh, and a much easier way uh, to navigate the plant. I mean, it's Hansel and Gretel around here. I mean, you have a trail of breadcrumbs to try to figure out uh, where you are at any given moment. Uh, and um, we're a traditional church, uh, although we hope that we maintain uh, a traditional and biblical theology. Um, I think one of the things that's happening around here for the better is that we're understanding that we need to have different cultural vehicles to move the gospel. And so the emphasis on the five o'clock, the reason why we're going through the visioning. Um, it's, a, it's a church where... Look, if you want to wear a suit and tie, that's great. But if you don't, that's fine too. That's really, really okay. Uh, I preached a sermon once where I used the phrase, and it might sound trite, but it's effective, that the church is not a country club for the righteous. It's a hospital for sinners. And on the way out, somebody said, I've always thought of the Advent as a, as a country club for sinners. And, uh, and, uh, but I think, uh, but what we're finding is uh, the Advent is beginning to reflect uh, a lot more the diversity of, of our community and, and frankly, the body of Christ. And we're excited about some of the mission fields that are opening to us, uh, whether that be amongst the universities here uh, or uh, those ministries that we're already involved in. So that's uh, the Advent in a very quick nutshell, and uh, I'm very happy to answer any questions that y'all have or um, comments that y'all would make. Greg, what do you think? Can you write that down and say, Dear Mrs. Pearson? Could you talk about the small groups? Yeah, one of the things, you know, because the Advent, uh, look, sometimes people say the Advent's too big, I don't want to go to church here. And I'll ask them, well, how, what have you done here at the Advent? And they said, well, we went to the 9 o'clock service. Did you go to Sunday school? No. Did you chat around the coffee pot? Well, the people we know. Did you get involved in a small group? No. Well, of course, it's going to be, unless you want anonymity, which, look, some people love. Just kind of get in and get out. But if you're looking for community, <clears throat> it, it can't be found in our corporate worship services necessarily. It's going to have to be found throughout the week, which is why small groups are absolutely vital to the ministry happening. And in fact, that's where a lot of the ministry around here happens. Like pastoral care 
Uh, I mean, when you see small groups rallying around one another, whether somebody's having a baby or they're going through a family problem, it's the small groups that come around one another and minister to uh, our parishioners in a way that is actually much more effective than the clergy coming in and helping out a little bit. So small groups are a great time for Adventists to get together and um, um, get together and uh, open the Word of God together and have a shared life together. And I think that that's, that's really important. Um, a lot of people, I think, are coming to church uh, because they are looking for a place uh, to connect. And what's so crazy is in a world with the Internet uh, being, making the world accessible, uh, it's also created an environment where there's less personal communication. And even beyond the Internet, everything from texting to social media. I mean, when was the last time somebody talked to somebody? I don't know. I mean, I remember when my Aunt Molly died. She was born in 1899 and died in 2001. She lived in three different centuries. And uh, her husband died in uh, World War II. She lost a brother in World War I. And uh, I found uh, in her attic, going through stuff, shoeboxes full of letters that my Uncle Jack had written her. I mean, that's an amazing thing when you, you pull out a letter and you realize, and when she opened it, it, he held it. He actually concentrated and thought of her alone for 15, 20 minutes when he put the, you know, the handwriting was distinctly his. I shudder to think of our children opening up, mail, uh, opening up shoeboxes full of emails. Uh, when, when, when that day comes. And so I think that small groups puts the emphasis back on the need for us to really do life together and to actually communicate with one another and, and not uh, to hide behind uh, the walls that have been created for us. There's my soapbox about social media. Should we, should we get Yeah, Fontaine's in charge of small groups. She's like the, she can determine your compatibility. She's like the dating service for the Advent when it comes to small And, and y'all, she will be contacting, she and I get together after every newcomer's class, so that she'll call, not to be pushy, but just to tell you what she has available and see if that works for you. And again, raising the sign on the board. So, Fontaine's great at that. You can ask me anything. I like I like the questions that are a little bit on the edge, except from Matt Schneider. How do you reconcile an omniscient to God with innocent suffering? Yeah. Well, let's talk about your employment. Let's talk about your employment contract. <laughs> um, you see, you have that on paper. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the things, and I would I'd be curious to hear from y'all is uh, what we're finding is in older generations. Uh, people actually cared about name branding to the extent that you know people would have entire four-decade-long careers with somebody like IBM, and there was just intense loyalty. Uh, but what we find at the Advent, and I did this several months ago, uh, is I asked folks in the services to raise their hand if they grew up in a tradition uh, outside of the Episcopal Church. And it was 80 90% uh, in, in the congregations uh, which I think is indicative of the fact that people really aren't so concerned about what the shingle says out front as to what's happening inside. And, uh, and that's, that's a really important thing. 
uh, because the Advent is just really singular. So, yeah, we're Anglicans, absolutely, and we have some theological convictions uh, and some church governance convictions about that kind of stuff. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, we're believers in the Lord Jesus. So when people come to me and they say, well, I was baptized Episcopalian or I was confirmed Episcopalian, that's actually not true. Uh, you, you're baptized a Christian. You're, you're confirmed in the Christian faith. And it's not something the bishop does to you. It's you standing be before the congregation saying, I'm a Christian. You're confirming your faith. Um, and then the bishop prays for you in response to that, which is nice. Andrew, yes. So Elizabeth Wilson is uh, head of our children's ministry, and uh, which is a really, really hard uh, job, but she does it faithfully and, and does it really, really well. Tell us a little bit about how you're using our children. I promise I didn't ask Mary Margaret to say that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I oversee the three-year-olds through... Stand up. why I'm so encouraged to see y'all here is uh, <clears throat> the Advent is a, is a very friendly congregation, but things are so streamlined on Sunday morning that it can be really overwhelming. Uh, and uh, I, the 5 o'clock, I think, does a, a better job of this. But when my wife Lauren and I came for an interview, um, I came incognito, was wearing a blue blazer, shirt and tie, and just dress trousers. And uh, Lauren, we, we lived on the coast of South Carolina, and Lauren had this cute little Lily Pulitzer dress. And, uh, and we walked in, and the only person dressed like me was a 15-year-old boy. And no, everyone else was wearing dark. Lauren actually turned around and walked over to the Tutwiler and changed and, and came back uh, because she didn't see anybody else in pastels. And then uh, we were, no one, I mean, a couple people greeted us. But then afterwards, we're looking at the Sunday school class list. All right. Where are these places? I don't even know. So we just followed the herd and, and made our way here to the dean's class. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is this congregation is totally out of touch. Like, I mean, I, I I was coming from a formal congregation, but um, this is this is tough. Uh, and then uh, a guy at the end of the Sunday school class, Frank Limehouse taught a class on forgiveness, and it was um, it was late August, and um, 
he, uh, this guy stood up at the end and he had the most beautiful suit on I probably have ever seen. It was clearly made for him and wouldn't fit anyone else on the planet. Perfect dimple and the tie knot. And he stood up and with tears in his voice, he said, I haven't spoken to my brother in 20 years, but I'm going to call him and invite him to Thanksgiving. And I was flabbergasted because what that was indicative to me is that these people are real. Right? That, that someone who clearly outwardly has it all together is able to say that in front of a group of people that I would be intimidated to speak in front of. And, and I found that that was not an isolated case. That was not an isolated case at all. And so once we got underneath the surface, uh, we found the Advent to be a really wonderful and gracious uh, place. doesn't mean we're not still working on things and things we, we could do to, to make it a little more uh, hospitable, but, um, but it's, it's really home for us. Any complaints? Just kidding. You can if you want. Greg, my man. All right, y'all. Yeah. Since we already kind of started a while ago,